Welcome back to another episode of the Huxley Morton podcast, the show where each week we speak to pharma company owners and industry leaders sharing their stories of personal and professional growth. This week, I'm joined by guest co-host Aman Kera, and we're going to be speaking with Irene Wona, CEO at MTruth. Um, so look, Aman, Irene, welcome to the show. Let's get going with things. Um, Irene, over to, to you, I guess, to, to kick things off. Um, I've Thank given you a short so intro there, but if you can give us um, a quick uh, yeah, overview of, of your role and, and the company, MTruth. Sure. So I'm a, a CEO and founder of, of uh, MTruth. Uh, what we do is, is quite unique in, in uh, addressing a very challenging problem, particularly in healthcare, which is that in healthcare, data comes from lots of different places in lots of different shapes and sizes. And this kind of these silo data pieces of information make it really difficult uh, to uh, um, have the best patient outcomes and to lower costs because we know data is at the heart of that. And that's what we do. We want to make uh, data easy for non-IT experts like clinicians, like researchers, like patients, easy to use so that they can actually do something meaningful with that data. Uh, and that's what uh, MTruth is all about. That's our mission. Mm -hmm. Well, look, often on the show, I kind of, before jumping into um, the ins and outs of how everything works, and we will certainly get onto that, um, I always like to know people's backstory. Now, Aman has been on the, the show as a guest yourself, haven't you, Aman? It seems like I many have. moons ago now, now, right? It does, and I'm so happy to be back as well. I love this podcast. I really listen to the movers and shakers in the industry, and I'm humbled that I've actually been in this as well. So Irene coming in, oh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to having this conversation. But I know, Irene, I, I got interested hearing about like the backstory as well so i would love for other people to hear about this and especially with you know if you could if you could help nasa you can certainly help healthcare so tell us about this please do irene yes please yeah, do so, oh and i love to so i started out my career at uh, jpl jet propulsion laboratory in nasa and so that's always going to be near and dear to my heart and i had an unconventional career path there as well because i had a lot of intellectual freedom so um, my time there, I think, really helped me hone my approaches to solving really challenging problems because uh, they were hard problems, right? So early in my career, in fact, I started out as an orbit determination engineer, not because I was an expert in that, but, but they needed someone to understand the software, and I have a computer science background. So literally on my first day, they gave me a book called Fundamentals of Astrodynamics. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I loved for, it. For, for those of us who are sitting here blank faced like me, what <laughs> is what what is that in in six that means, rolled English that means, terms? You know, when a spacecraft is out there, you know, you have to be able to point the the antenna to where it's going to be so that you can listen to it, send information home. Uh, and uh, what that what the job was for the software was to say this is where it's going to be. Point these these antennas here. Uh, and some of these spacecraft are, you know, really, really far away. So it was a really interesting problem. I love interesting problems and tackling things that I don't know. Right. Uh, and so that was my first introduction. And um, I've done a lot of different things there that are, are super fun. I worked on a number of projects. I was part of a center of excellence there to create uh, system development standards for the laboratory worldwide. Oh, excuse me, uh, laboratory-wide. And then there I got interested in how tech can help. 
Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, my, my approach to things is that it should not be technology for technology's sake. It should be actually doing something that's useful. So even, you know, uh, I got one of my first uh, research grants as a, a principal investigator. But every time I had a research grant, I was different from other people because I'd like to have somebody actually wanting to use what I'm going to do mm -hmm. and identifying what problem are we trying to solve? Not, you know, kind of in a, a darkened room by myself, mm -hmm. you know, or with my team, but, you know, but really uh, uh, to be able to do something meaningful. And so, so uh, uh, you know, that's, that's really who I am and where I come from. And, and when I left JPL, you know, I was responsible for all the software on a, a, a program to Pluto, uh, all, both the spacecraft wow. and the ground. And I also what? had a team... Yeah. Come on, is it, is it just me? I'm sitting here, I'm just like, oh, wow. programs to Pluto. I'm just sitting here thinking, <laughs> and I just, I just, you know, I just do a bit of recruitment, matching some CVs to jobs. I'm just like, you're almost, I feel like I'm interviewing a real celebrity here. Just no, 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 not for, for I'm not a celebrity. I'm just curious. I don't you know, know anyone else who's, who's been in this space. I, I, you know, and I'm just kind of, taken back a little bit because anytime I think of it I just think of like the blockbuster movies and people walking <laughs> around these huge facilities everything's all high 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 tech very much you know under surveillance and under the radar um so yeah no I'm, I'm highly impressed uh, but I'll yeah kick it back to you Irene to keep going with this story I'm loving it so so I you know so I was and I also was a, a PI on a number of research grants. So I had a team of researchers working for me, and and uh, many of those research grants were in AI. Honestly, mm. I would have been a lifer because it was really interesting. But one of my bosses at the time asked me to start a company with him. That was my first startup. It was traditionally venture funded. In fact, the company ran into trouble, and and um, they asked me to step in as CEO. So turn the company around. It was acquired by a publicly traded company. Mm -hmm. And I thought I would be a technology consultant for like six months to, after that to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. But that turned into over 10 years because clients like Warner Brothers and Caltech and Paramount kept asking me to do stuff. Uh, mainly new technology, you know, that we needed to introduce uh, enterprise-wide. So I probably could have been doing that forever, you know, indefinitely. But what I find is that I'm happiest when I'm doing something that I'm, that I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and this is why we started M-Truth. You know, my co-founder, Ron Khan, and I, we, we knew each other. We worked together for many years. Uh, but he and I shared similar values. We want to do something that's going to be meaningful and will have impact. Yeah. And that reflects who we are as people and, and our values. And that was, like, you know, really, really important to me. Sure. So, look, I guess to get dragged away from that, incredible career cv that you've just talked us through i'm just thinking how on earth did that happen but was there do you remember a specific moment in time then where yourself and, and um the, the gentleman was it a gentleman ron uh, the, the, yeah ron yeah um, did i did i have where the idea yeah. came about for yeah. for the business but yeah do you remember where you were what kind of what you know and all of those yeah, things. Yeah, you know, I'd like to say that I, I, I had it like one instantaneous aha moment, but that's just not who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, when I'm an extrovert, but every so often I like to have these moments where I kind of look inward and look to yeah. see and ask myself questions about purpose, what makes me happy, what are the things that I want to be doing with my life. That was the aha moment to say I wanted to not do consulting anymore and uh, start a company. Why in truth and why what we did, right? So. 
I'm data driven, just like our company is all about the data. So I looked out into the landscape of technologies that I thought were interesting and blockchain really caught my attention, not as crypto, but uh, as an encryption technology, as a way to really help people trust the data, trust the process. I like that it was immutable, the immutable nature of blockchain. It really spoke to my values of being able to say, you know, how can we empower people to actually do something meaningful with data? And that was the beginning of, of uh, M-Truth. And Ron was the first person I reached out to uh, to start this company with me. And what M-Truth, in fact, M-Truth, our name, comes from empowering truth. I like that it. Was I the often ask people about the, the origin of the, the company name. And normally it has something behind it. I think us at Huxley Morton are... Yeah, we're we're very different there. It's got no 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 meaning really. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I love that. So M truth, empowering truth. Incredible. Yeah, very powerful in itself, right? Just having yeah. that decision. So yeah, I love that. So look, I, I guess oh sorry, go, go on, Irene, I'll let you keep keep running there. You was gonna no, no, so, so I was going to, you know, share how we came to healthcare. You know, now that we knew we wanted to do something with blockchain, mm -hmm. you know, we thought, well, what can we use this technology for? Because it is foundational, right? So yeah. many different industries have a need to Before have better... Before you jump into that, Irene, sure. could you just talk, tell us, um, I guess, Amal and myself, I guess, about M-Truth and the, the product and kind of explain how it perhaps works and what the technologies are sure um yeah and, and again please do not feel bad for talking to me like i'm, I'm a six-year-old because i'm sure that there's plenty of our audience out there that would love to kind of understand this um, yeah. and i know through my conversations with you and with um Amman previously that you are excellent at taking what i see as a very complex um idea and explaining it in a way that, that we can understand it. So if you could help us, help, help me out, I'm, I'm sure yeah, there'll be some help, others. Absolutely, help the listeners out, because I know when sometimes people hear the term blockchain, the first thing pe majority of people will go to is crypto, yeah. right? And it's beyond Bitcoin, Dogecoin, and all the other lovely coins that there are out there. So, you know, how it would be great to have kind of like a, a quick, you know, explainer as such yes. about what this technology is and how it's being used. If that makes yes, sense. yes. So, and, and, and why we're a little bit different from some of the yeah. things that are out there. So first and foremost, crypto, you know, in a nutshell, all cryptocurrency is and what these token-based systems mean is that you create a coin or a token that represents an asset, and you are simply following this coin through a series of wallets. That is what the majority of um, cryptocurrency and um, current blockchain applications actually do. That's mm -hmm. a great application. You know, it was meant to be a replacement for cash, so it was anonymous, meaning that you don't know where the data comes from, uh, and it's completely public, meaning that anybody has access to this data. Well, that's not going to apply in most enterprise situations and certainly not in healthcare, where much of this information should be protected and private and sensitive, right? And so that's where we come in, right? We believe that it's about sharing the right data with the right people at the right time. And the way we use blockchain is that we use it as an encryption technology. What that means is that there is a, there's a block of data that is the parent data that is connected to the child block of data immutably 
like DNA is passed from uh, parent to child. Mm -hmm. You cannot add it, edit it, you cannot delete it. You can only add to this chain. And this is where we saw, you know, really good value uh, for using blockchain. And we as a company are one of the few companies that actually, it's not the only one, you know, moving and advancing blockchain technology for distributed data management. Uh, and this flows into your question, James, is that why this technology for healthcare? So I think I just gave a quick tutorial on the difference between mm -hmm. crypto and us, right? Because they're not actually, in crypto, uh, they're only blockchaining the coin yeah. in, in the crypto system. We're not interested in the coin. We're interested in the data. The data actually isn't up. We blockchain the data. And that's some of the things that makes us different. For us, data is the asset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, you see a lot of uh, news right now. You know, everybody's going through these uh, really speculative Wild West things with NFTs, right? Non-fungible yeah. tokens, you know, which is like a, a, a subset of, of, of uh, crypto applications. And you're seeing a lot of fraud there. Uh, it's not on the coin, but because people are creating assets that are not part of, that are not secure, and often they don't have the rights to create and are selling them. And so you can't have that with healthcare data. Mm -hmm. You know, we specialize in data for enterprise. We specialize in data that should um, be protected because, you know, like, you know how drugs are, are often delivered uh, to through the mail now? You mm -hmm. don't want your mailman looking at what you take. The mailman should just see the address. So it really should be about sharing the right data at the right time with the right people because your primary health provider, for example, your doctor should see everything about you. Sure. Well, I guess that healthcare, I'm on, look, this is your, your space. Um, yeah. You know, where do you see the value of this type of technology? And I guess the differences that uh, Irene has explained there between what M-Truth are doing and the crypto thing that, Again, I was very ignorant when I first looked up M-Truth and just thought, how, how does this work? You know, what, what are kind of the common misconceptions or questions that you think that people would have from yeah, your world in, in the healthcare space? Yeah, absolutely. So my, you know, and I have, I, I took a real great interest in blockchain blockchain technology within healthcare, particularly in the drug development industry, right? Because we're always thinking, you know, how to be more innovative, how to think about, you know, speeding up the clinical development of investigational products. So what's the next big thing, right? So there's lots of industries that have actually employed blockchain technology in many case uses as well. And it was only a matter of time that, you know, this technology is now coming into healthcare. Now, how it comes in, uh, and we can talk about that a bit later on, because Irene and me, um, we have kind of like, you know, brainstormed and kind of went back and forth about what does this actually change in the industry as well. But more than anything, for me personally, right, I'm thinking about trust, right? Trust, we need to build trust, right? And with this data, like, because, you know, we, we talked about the Wild West for NFT, the NFT arena right now. Well, there is a wealth of data being collected in within clinical development, okay? Are we using it the right way? Probably not, right? Are we cutting the data the right way? Probably not. Are we giving ownership to patients? 
and to other stakeholders in the right in the right way. Irene, you talked about kind of the, the data at the right time, right place, right people, right? It comes yeah. down to that whole trust portion as well. So I have a kind of like um, specific angle as a with a regulatory kind of lens about what regulatory agencies are looking for with this digital health technology that kind of encompasses everything, believe it or not, you know, um, thinking about all the different technologies. So Irene, I mean, you know, we've talked about how can M-Truth, you know, blockchain technology impact healthcare in a positive way to bring things forward, you know, help keep on pushing that needle forward in healthcare. And, you know, I'd love to hear more about what you can do, for example, in clinical trials. Sure, absolutely. So first and foremost, right, I think you and I have similar values, Aman, right, in that we believe in the ethical use of data. Yes. And that's why we believe people should own and control their own data. And within even the context of a clinical trial, I think the nature of consent is particularly important. Mm -hmm. And so, so let's first talk about clinical trials in a broad sense in terms of how we look at it. Clinical trials, like so many problems in healthcare, require a village of people and experts to do. Yeah. So that data comes from lots of different places in lots of different formats, even more so now, right? Because it's not just your healthcare record, but also, you know, the, the wearable, your monitoring, your tests, the tracking of the drugs, you know, all of these things clinician assessment, patient mm -hmm. self-assessment, where, you know, just a multimodal, I think is the term yeah. that people like to use within the industry. And so that first and foremost, that data needs to be able to integrate and interoperate, you know, in an easy way. Easy for it to work together as a data set, a unified data set, but sharing different pieces of it with different people, at the same, you know, uh, for, for their specific purpose. Mm -hmm. Because the you know, sharing, for example, the anonymized information about your demographic and blockchaining the consent to actually go with that data and then sharing it with pharma to see if you're a clinical trial participant is different than once you're actually enrolled in a, a trial and your primary care doctor needs to know what it is it doing to your health. Mm. You know, how is it impacting right. your health or even the administration of that drug, you know, or, or the use of that device. And so these are kind of use cases and examples of why the different data is necessary and why it's necessary at different times for the different kinds of people. And so with our technology, right, because it's blockchain and it lends itself well to people being able to own and control their own data, the patient, you know, when, we, when I read a lot of things and I talk to Aman about, um, you know, really patient-centered clinical trials, mm -hmm. I think that's something that we could really enable with blockchain. Because in this case, for example, the patient controls whether they want to um, participate in a trial and whether they want to stay in a trial. And they can rescind that consent at any time. It's at their, uh, at their control. And I think many studies have shown right, that uh, participation improves, uh, retention improves when people feel like they're you know, part of that process. Exactly. So for us, it's not even just the ability for the patients to own and control that. But also, because we can blockchain anything of any size, and we can that's part of our intellectual property, and being able to connect these pieces of data on demand on the fly, the consent itself can become part of that data. It's always, it's not just a form sitting out there, whether it's an electronic form or a piece of paper, that's all well and good, right? But let's move beyond the form and say that the consent 
accompanies this data so that there is clarity on who can use it, what it can be used for, and why it's being used. You know, and I think that will help improve, you know, the trust the data, trust the process, which both Amon and I are, you know, really broad proponents on. Because now it puts data governance back into the hands of the people that should be, you know, really should have the the the, the final say, right? Where it follows their data governance policies, it's in compliance and you know, and it's according to the sharing criteria. What to share, who to share it with, when to share it with. And what about the, the individuals here? I guess how do they gain access to their data? What I mean, Aman, from your regulatory background, what mm -hmm. kind of questions do you think that people would be firing at M Truth and yeah, um, Irene, from that perspective. Absolutely. From the patient perspective, right, I think it ticks all the boxes in terms of do I have some form of control mm. in my data? What data are you collecting? What information is being sent on to other stakeholders and parties? That's and can I revoke I'm, it? Yeah. Mm, I'm right. thinking that. You know, there's all this big hoo-ha with Facebook, TikTok, yeah. all of the social media sites these days about where our data goes and where it's where it's used. So I'm just interested to get your perspective from a, a regulatory standpoint. Yeah, and I think it's that conversation is definitely evolving in our healthcare industry, right? I would say it's still early how mm. our industry are thinking about these concepts, right? We 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 think about patient centricity and that term is changing now into patient experience as well right but guess what i think even the past few years have shown us that it's great you can do all these great initiatives for patient recruitment into a clinical trial but then when you start digging down into patient retention in clinical trials you realize there are issues that people are dropping out now they're dropping out for a variety of reasons right but, and this is why kind of, um, Irene, you talked about our shared values. We really think about what's in it for the patient and do they feel empowered, right? Because, you know, like any kind of app usage and things like that, you know, people yeah. are feeling, well, for that, are we giving, you know, you're giving me something, but are you taking away something even bigger from me, right? That, that whole concept is really, if you think about the, the public um, in any industry, they're saying, well, how are you using my data? Because data, you know, I keep on hearing data is the new oil. Well, mm. uh, are you monetizing me? Like, yeah. yeah. I, you know, personally, I think it's, you know, in healthcare in particular, I think it should be very specific, you know, and it yeah. should be, you know, pe people should own and control their own data. And so in that vein, right, in when we think about patient retention in terms of a clinical trial, the other thing that will help is that blockchain can uh, also help secure the communication and collection and sharing of this data for more distributed capabilities, right, and decentralized capabilities so that it's more convenient. So, for example, right, nothing highlighted the pandemic and its impact on clinical trials more than people not being able to actually go to a clinical trial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you have now a local doctor's office or the person is wearing, you know, wearables at home. You know, they're doing a self-assessment through an app. All of that different types of information can be collected uh, for that patient and protected in such a way that it's shared with the right people and integrated. And so now they, you know, instead of having to drive, you know, places or fly places they can't go to, they could perhaps get the injection at their local doctor's office. 
Wow. You know, following the protocols that, that the pharma has, you know, set aside in terms of as defined, right? Because those processes are well understood. Yeah. It's just now being able to say, let's do them here in such a way and make sure that it's in compliance. So we can even blockchain, for example, the template that they should follow and that all the things that they should fill in, you know, to, to do that information. And we blockchain everything, including the log. Wow. Right. I, I've just had almost a penny drop moment where you were talking about, you know, being able to go and, you know, take part from wherever you are because you've got your access to your own data and things. And yes. often I've had people on the show talking about patient retention, patient engagement. But what you are both talking about here is almost that patient empowerment, which is right. almost that ultimate level, allowing people to do what they want to do, which is what we all want to do. Yeah. That yes. Is, I, yeah. I, I honestly, I've, I've just had yeah a, an epiphany there. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. And you know what, too, James? It saves pharma money. Right. Yeah. Wow. Time and money. Time and money. Right. This is what they. Which is talking. really important for drugs go to market, right? Yeah. Wow. Well, I was saying earlier that you are. I feel like I've got a celebrity on the show here with your background at, at NASA, and I feel like I've got a celebrity and in a mom with all of the things I see her in Farmer Voice 100. God, when this kicks off, I will just have to be able to, I'll be able to play this podcast back for everyone and just be like, look at this. Because <laughs> that is incredible. I am so impressed um, by all of this, Irene, as it's kind of slowly filtering into my small-minded brain at times. Uh, but yeah, amazing. So look, how are things going for, for the business. So it was, was it 2017 you said that you kind of... Um, yeah, so we started the, the idea in 2017, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, um, it wasn't... A, it, I, I, we created an LLC, that, you know, for, for things. But at that time, we were figuring out the technology, what we wanted to do with it. And mm -hmm. because we're data-driven, I like to do product and market validation in mm -hmm. terms of whether there is a need and so forth. In fact, our first use case, which I thought would be a, a no-brainer, was, uh, um, you know, making sure and ensuring that the luxury goods that you buy are real. Uh, we, I thought that would be like a no-brainer, right? We could do it, you know, it was, but we started talking to these luxury brands and that was like a total fail <laughs> because honestly, they don't care. <laughs> the people might care, the people buying it might care, but the, the luxury goods, that's not their priority, mm. nor are they uh, uh, early technology adopters. And so, while we rated product fit an A, because I like to grade, you know, data driven, yeah. we, we rated the market readiness as a D. Uh, and so as we were talking to other industries, the ones that really kept coming back were, you know, really highly sensitive information with lots of people involved, like aerospace and healthcare. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, so, you know, that's what we decided. And so in uh, 2018, we said, no, we're not going to pursue uh, um, luxury goods. We're going to focus on, on healthcare. Mm, and wow. for us, it was an easy choice, you know, because healthcare is so fragmented. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know how healthcare systems, they like to buy pinpoint solutions, right? Yeah. So every time they buy a new pinpoint solution, they're creating yet another data silo. Uh -huh. And now with every device and every system on, online, you know, where I come from, we call it uh, the drinking from the fire hose problem, except... Mm -hmm. Now the fire hose is ginormous and you have yeah. a lot of them to drink from. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, we decided to focus on healthcare because the impact we could have in terms of helping communities get better outcomes, 
uh, and to manage costs for something that affects everybody, because everybody yeah. at one point is and will be a patient. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, so for us, that decision was easy, and that's why we decided to focus on healthcare. Uh, and um, you know, those are the things that make us really excited. Things that are happening, like I said, we're just uh, we're coming out of stealth mode now for sure. We are going to market. We've had some successful pilots under our belt in healthcare with some name brands. We're under NDA, so I'm not going to say who they are. But Please one, don't. Of the yeah. people, one of the people said, this is above and beyond anything that we ever expected. And that makes my heart feel good. Yeah. Uh, we're, uh, we've already uh, uh, received a notice of allowance from the patent office on our first patent. We have a bunch of them in the pipeline. Uh, we also received recently an uh, uh, innovation uh, award from the National Science Foundation. Uh, as an example, uh, we are the, the, the distributed data platform, the blockchain engine, in a NASA project uh, because we can do what other blockchain companies cannot. Mm -hmm. And that's really, you know, taking any data of any size uh, and being able to blockchain it, being able to dynamically combine them for use based on purpose, because I believe data should be purpose-driven, uh, and then doing it at enterprise performance speed, because we're orders of magnitude faster than like a Bitcoin, as an example. And that's what you need in, in enterprise, which is where, you know, Ron and I come from. Our whole career has been, you know, mission critical and enterprises. Wow, that is impressive stuff, isn't it, Amon? Jaw-dropping I'm just sitting here yeah. kind of just like... <laughs> it is jaw-dropping stuff. And, you know, I've always been that person that thinks, has been concerned about tech coming into pharma, by mm. pharma, right? And I'm like, I don't want us to do, you know, tech, you know, the tech field has historically been, we're going to try, try, try again. And if it works, then we're going to, then it will stick. And I'm like, you can't do that in a regulated industry with people, right? Mm. So what, you know, when um, Irene and me first started talking, it really was that kind of shared values, right? And showcasing, and, and I was thinking about, as I'm, I'm thinking from uh, innovation and strategy perspective, of course, with the regulatory kind of that foundation, but I was thinking this could help healthcare so much because it's not just a win for pharmaceutical companies, right? Mm. And other stakeholders. For me, it was, this is a win for patients. That's yeah. the thing, isn't it? I mean, because yeah. there's that huge win for patients, but then yeah. Irene topped it off with that, the icing on the cake for the people that are paying for it, the sponsors, of it's yeah. going to save them time, money, aggravation. So it really is that full package yeah. solution of everyone's happy. And how yeah. how how rare is that? Very <laughs> rare. Very rare. That, is that rare. never happens. That never, never happens. So Well, we, we take a different view, right? We don't believe in monetizing or aggregating other people's data. That's not our mm. business model. We believe mm. people should own and control their own data. We're simply a platform and technology that will make the mechanics of that easy so that you can actually do something meaningful with the data, which is to help patients and help control costs, which is really, really scary in the United States. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's been one hell of a journey already. Um, you know, one of the things that you've clearly learned about kind of um, how you were going about things is that the luxury goods market wasn't for you, but healthcare and aerospace perhaps are. But what else have you perhaps learned about yourself personally along the way? It's a message that I like to reinforce to myself, which is that 
for people to really understand who we are and what we do, we have to talk less about the technology and more about the difference in the impact that we're going to make for them. Because mm. that drives it home, right? That's something that they understand. It's like, you know, I don't, it's like not everybody needs to understand how a car works or how the engine works in order to drive a car. So we want to make sure that they understand what are the benefits and the impact to them. And if they're interested in the technology, of course, I'm more than happy to geek out on that. Uh, but it's not a requirement. So that's something that I like to reinforce. And I, I think I've learned more. So yeah. um, it sounds as though look, you've, there's been a, a bit of a journey there. You've learned a few things along the way. And I, I think the, the fact, the very fact that you can now recognize that there's a level of intelligence that you have on the tech side. And as you say, look, you're happy to geek out on that to, for those that, that want to hear more on it. But the fact that you can explain it in a way to people like myself, where it's providing a solution and benefits to individuals and, and patients, that that is absolutely fantastic. Um, what, I guess, what is next for yourself, for M-Truth, and I guess this new era perhaps in healthcare when this there is more adoption and it you know kind of yeah. down the line what do you see yeah what do you see next in terms of expansion for, for you as a business and, and as an individual so for us as a business you know i think our next steps is like is that we are focusing on go-to-market because we would like people to um uh take advantage of this technology and for us you know especially in the clinical trial space you know when people talk about dct it is not all or nothing you know, I see advancements for very specific tasks that can, you know, span this spe spectrum of whether it's digitized, distributed, or decentralized. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you can, you know, our, uh, Aman and I are going to write some articles about that on that subject, so you can look for that. But for me, I think as a market, uh, and in healthcare in particular, right, there's only one question that people need to ask, which is, do you believe that data is strategic and it will help you? If the answer to that is yes, then you know, we can help them and we want to help them mm. because that's what they're going to need to do, you know, in order to get ahead and stay ahead. For those who don't think that they need it, honestly, my prediction is that they're going to need to rethink their business model. Right. Wow. Wow. I We've like had it. conversations about that, Irene, haven't we? Like, yes, you know, we have. We have. Yeah. I think you just want to be thoughtful about it. You know, yeah. the technology is there for true distributed uh, clinical trials. Iman and have I talked about this many times. It's not the technology. You know, we could, and truth could do that today. The hard mm. part, I think, is a discussion about, you know, ethical data governance around that. You know, yeah. when you're talking about data autonomy and being able to automatically exchange data without people intervention, we want to be super thoughtful about that. Yeah. Because, you know, it's people's data. Uh, it's people protected data, private data, uh, and um, there should be thoughtful process behind data governance. What I would love to see for the industry uh, is that um, a de facto standard will emerge for data governance that is included in a, uh, a patient's bill of rights. It's about digital use of their data. Wow. How cool is that, right? It, it is. I mean, some of the, t I just, yeah, for me, I'm just like, my mind is spinning because it's just all of these things that are out there is just, yeah, mind-blowing, I guess. And I'm just so glad that I managed to, to come across, I think it was a post via LinkedIn from um, a man at one time where it was yeah. talking about uh, M-Truth and yourself, Irene. And I just, again, I was that ignorant person saying, 
hold up, isn't this just crypto and I'm getting 15 different spam messages of people trying to get me to invest in crypto a day on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, but to now understand kind of the difference and the solution and the benefits um, is just amazing. So that it's going to be fantastic to um, watch this space as it may be uh, moving yeah. forward. Uh, but look, before we wrap up the show and let you get off, we always... Uh, like to, to finish it off with a, a bit of a quick fire question um, section here that Aman and I will um, head up and then put, put a few questions to yourself. So I'll kick off with, with the first one. Um, we've heard about your, your background and credentials in the work space, but look, what is the one piece of advice that you perhaps give to your younger self, perhaps even pre-work days? I would say trust your voice and your ability. Because literally, even if someone tells you in a meeting that no one's going to listen to you because you are young and you are a woman. Yeah, I like it. Have a voice. <laughs> you know what? I'm just trying to think back to when Aman was on the show. Now, we didn't have a quick fire question round back then, but we put together several clips. And I think you were saying something similar about have a voice, speak up. I probably was. Yeah, no. I can remember. That's why there's such a complete meeting of minds with Irene. I think you know, right. It's like, you know, we can talk forever, but... I mean, I'm going to ask you a question because I think people would be really curious to know, you know, what what's your number one book or resource or something, your go-to thing that you would recommend for our audience? <laughs> for example, I know it's, you've probably got hundreds, but still. Well, you know, it's that? like I'm a, I'm a, I like to read. I love to read. It's always been, so that's a tough question for me. So for work, I'm going to nerd out and I'm going to say Google Scholar is the best source. Wow. <laughs> for fun, I would say, you know, something like along the lines of the, the Confederacy of Dunces. <laughs> there you go. Okay, readers. I think I'm going to be looking that up as well, for sure. <laughs> I always do. So it's, it's a, just a little hack that I've got this to, to get a good reading list. It's just asking people all of their advice. So, look, Google Scholar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Moving on to, to the next question, Irene. Look, I'm, I'm sure when this kicks off for you, you are going to be inundated with um, people wanting to work at M-Truth. Um, you're going to have your hands full with recruitment. If so, give me a shout. Um, but look, what are the top three qualities that you value most when building a team or within the teams that you've worked uh, in previously? Yeah, my rules are really simple, you know, in terms of what I look for. So skill sets being equal, I always look for attitude and aptitude. Ooh. I like that. I like that. Just the whole skill sets being equal thing as well. Funny that, isn't it? Like it makes mm. you think. It really does make you think. I love that, Ari, too. Okay, next question, because I'm super curious myself. What is your favorite thing to do outside of work? You you are in California, so you have to tell me as well. I like oh to I like to sing and play my guitar really really badly. <laughs> I love that. So for the audio audience tuning in here, look, Irene has just held up a a, a big electric guitar, so it's a bit of rocking out. To eleven. <laughs> Incredible stuff. What's what's and what sort of um, music is for yourself then, Irene? What are you busting out on that thing? You know, I, I listen to everything. Again, you can see that I'm very open-minded. But the reason I started taking uh, guitar lessons was I wanted to play classical music on an electric guitar. But wow. now I just you know just I just strum and sing. 
<laughs> I pick and string, you know, I, I pick, I, I strum and sing. It's now it's just for fun, it's a form of relaxation. But the reason why I took lessons was I really wanted to see if I could play, um, you know, classical music on an electric guitar. So don't tell that. me, James, that doesn't sound like a true disruptor. I know. <laughs> well, look, I can see why you two gel because there's so many similarities. It's unreal. Um, and I think if I go back and listen back to um, our episode, Am I Featuring Yourself, I'm sure that we could probably piece these things together and it'd almost be intertwined with this episode. Probably. Look, um, to anyone tuning in, look, please go and check out that show with Aman. I hope you've enjoyed things today. Look, Irene, I think it's been a pleasure having you on um, the show. Look, for anyone that wants to reach out to you with more questions, whether it's about the tech, the, um, you know, how everything works, investment, opportunities, where is the best place to get you? Yeah, so um, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm really open to that. And then check out our website, mtruth.com. You know, we also try to uh, post uh, um, uh, and keep current news and views on, our, on that website. Fantastic stuff. We'll, we'll get all the links uh, lined up with, you know, to accompany the show. But as I say, look, it's been a pleasure having you both on the Huxley Morton podcast. Thanks very much again. Always a Thank pleasure. Thank you so James. much. Thank you to both of you. I, I had a, a really fun time. <laughs> Likewise.